everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Off the Hinges podcast, a podcast not concerned with your grandma's feelings, nor anyone else's for that matter. I'm Marcus. This is Brandon, the co-host. Each week we talk about topics we want to talk about because our podcast and not yours. Up on deck today, we have part two of the 9-11 series. Today we're going to be going over the attack at the Pentagon and Shanksville. Which wouldn't would you like to talk about first? Just let me give our blanket disclaimer that we have nothing but respect for any family members, any first responders, any military members that have been caught up in this madness and have gone off to do their jobs overseas in impossible situations. You're the best that this nation has to offer. And you're just knowing what you're told. And we can't thank you enough for that. Our gripe here is that we're questioning whether or not you should be there or should have been there. And all those heroes on 9-11 and before that day and since then, has the government been playing you? Has this whole thing been a farce? Have we been asked to do things that we shouldn't have been asked to do? So we're holding the powers that be accountable. We're never questioning the resolve of fellow citizens that have been through this in advance of the call of duty. This is why we're talking about this, to be sure that everyone has an open mind and everyone looks at this and thinks critically and says, if this doesn't make sense, then we should ask some questions. And I don't care if it's been almost 20 years, maybe 20,000 years. Does it make sense? Does it add up? Because to me, there are still a lot of questions that haven't been answered. I, I think you'd agree. Yes, if you haven't caught part one of our series, please be sure to go back and check that out. For the purpose of this podcast, we won't be traveling back there much often during this one. But So if you missed the first one, please go and check that out. So uh, real quick, how are you doing today, Brandon? Oh, we're good. We're, we're, we're doing good. It's a beautiful day out there. Beautiful September fall day and ready to peel back some layers of misinformation. And I hope everybody just goes into this with an open mind. Again, we're not trying to step on toes. Please don't take any of this the wrong way. We're just searching for truth. I don't like the term conspiracy theorist. I like the term uh, truth seeker. How about fact finding? How about if there's nothing factual about what we're saying and so what if you can factually counter what we're saying then we're wrong and I, either of us would gladly admit that yeah by all means do it right i think the term conspiracy theory should only be applied to the extremely outrageous i think that truth finding or truth seeking is a much better term as long as you're dealing with things that are actually viable, right? So first off, I guess let's look at the, um, let's do Shanksville first. That's very close to where we are, Western Pennsylvania. And that, that still to this day has, obviously it's, it's a very raw nerve for people anywhere throughout the nation, throughout the world, but especially here in Western Pennsylvania. For some reason, if you, didn't get the whole story. You're one of our listeners from a different country. 
you know, just a little bit of background. Uh, Flight 93 was hijacked after leaving the Newark Liberty International Airport. The plane was supposedly delayed prior to takeoff when the people on board learned about the hijackings and the destruction of the Twin Towers and the hit to the Pentagon. And the passengers on board decided to fight back. One of the passengers, Thomas Burnett Jr., placed a phone call to his wife that he said that they know they're all going to die and there's three of us that are going to try to do something about it. During the scuffle, plane flips over. Now, this is, of course, you know what we're being told. This is their official narrative. A plane flips over and crashes in Shanksville. Mm-hmm. So... What problems do you initially have with the, I guess you could say, initial report? If you look at any of these issues or any of these events on that day, if you look at them individually, I mean, sure, sure, you could pick them apart and say, this doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. If, if you take a look at the, just, just the overall big picture of that day and all the inconsistencies and things that just don't make sense on the surface, Looking at it in, in the whole, the whole broad, uh, a broad view for what the event was, for what happened afterwards, then I, I think some red flags start to go up. With Shanksville, you have the obvious question. Did anybody see a plane? Have you ever Googled the Shanksville 9-11 crash site? What do you see? Have you ever Googled a plane crash? Google that once. There's a debris field for long time. Suitcases, luggage, wings, engines, tires, everything imaginable. All we see there is a smoldering ditch. Where's the plane? Can anybody answer that? I'd, I'd love to hear someone's opinion. I'd love to hear some kind of a proof why this and the Pentagon crash, mysteriously, the plane just disappeared, vaporized, whatever. Where's the plane? And yes, we're meant to believe that the plane crashed there. Okay. But then mysteriously, just like at the 9-11 crash site in New York, mysteriously, we have whole plane engines that are these huge several thousand pounds of solid metal. Can't find those anywhere, but, you know, the terrorist's uh, ID card uh, made of paper, it's just laying nearby. Does that make logical sense to anyone? No, it doesn't. Some of the debris that they've said that they have found were small pieces of sheet metal supposedly had floated in the air to Indian Lake, approximately 1.5 miles away from the crash. They say that's not unusual for that to happen. And I believe that. And that's, that's a small little piece of sheet metal. But I'm talking about the, ma- the main crash site there. I mean, you've got these gigantic engines on these planes that are they're not just going to vaporize and just turn to dust. They, um, part of the turbine, they did say was found. A piece of the fan broke off and landed 300 yards in front of where the crash site was. The experts say that at over 500 miles an hour, 
it's not unusual to something to hit the ground and tumble that far. Mm -hmm. 900 feet in front of the plane and not a single mark from the place the plane, you know, besides the initially, you know, you see the hole, right? Besides the initial part of it, then you have a small piece being shown 900 feet away without any indication of any kind of bounce or anything like that. It just shows up. Now, to take it down the rabbit hole even farther, there are several people that day that say they spotted a small white jet. In February 2004, a retired army colonel by the name of Don de Grand Prix said on a radio talk show, Alex Jones to be exact, the talk show, claims he knows the pilot who fired the two missiles that took down Flight 93. Now that's interesting. That's an interesting theory to say that there was a Flight 93, that it was shot down. Now that seems much more reasonable. That's going to take away the uh, giant debris field that would be a plane crash. That's why you're finding very little small pieces because the thing was already shot down. And the thing of it is, is that the, the gentleman that he claims shot it down is electing to say nothing. He's saying that he did something completely different that day. And he was in the jet, but not at that location. And that he had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I, I have another piece of information that I had read that claims that Flight 93 was over Urbana, Illinois when it had allegedly crashed in Shanksville. If you Google that, do your own research. Do your own research. Other pilots are saying they've done research. They've confirmed that plane was still in the air when it said it was crashed. Do your own research. If you do your research, just like we're doing, we're just putting questions out there. We're basing things on facts. If you do your own research, and, come, and please let us know what you come up with. That's what we're doing here. We're discussing, we're researching. That's what every American should be doing. But we're throwing ideas out there. We're posing questions. And if you can prove that neither of those things happened, we're not saying we can prove they did. But we're presenting things that are based on possible firsthand testimony. Other scientific facts like we discussed last week with the, the gaping holes in the story that the, the two twin towers in, in New York City in World Trade Center building number seven collapsed due to fire, which would be the first steel frame buildings that ever had that happen to in history and three happened on one day. So we're, we're throwing scientific facts out there. We're throwing ideas out there. Please, uh, again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We want to hear what you think. But there are many inconsistencies with what happened that day. If history has taught you one thing, and it is that history is being written by the people who have won, the people who control, you know by now that that's not always the case. We use statistics and facts to back up what we're saying sometimes doesn't exactly make the best kind of sense. Speaking of that, I got some stats for you, Brandon. No, please. Website called Expert Flight. 
and several other credible sources, we're talking education sources, several other high-quality sources say that a plane crash, the odds of surviving are 95.7%. Now, I get that if we're claiming with the World Trade Center, with the Pentagon, you know, where you've hit a structure, those odds go down, right? That, that's not a debate here. But Shanksville, landing in a field, essentially, You'd think the thing would have just kind of skidded to a stop. I mean, it wouldn't have been pretty, obviously, huh. but certainly the fuselage, the main part and the engines of the plane would have been intact. So what happened to make that 0%? To being a completely unsurvivable event. That sounds very much, I mean, even if the plane would have nosedive, no, to, taken a nosedive into the ground, I mean, there still would have been way more of the plane. The probability of the back end of the plane surviving a crash that was, you know, on a nosedive is still pretty high. It's still pretty high. Okay, the nose takes the initial brunt of the force, but you still have the, the latter half of the plane, the tail, the wings, the engines, and so forth. Where are those? Has anybody seen pictures of those at Shanksville? But all you see is a smoldering ditch with no real evidence of there being a plane there, save a couple of pieces of sheet metal or whatever sprinkled uh, throughout, which seems like they were almost done after the fact. No one could get anywhere near there. You've got the men in the, uh, the black suit, so to speak, how perfectly that looks. It's almost like a fabricated uh, movie set more than, than a crime scene. I think if you have the initial impact of the plane and, you know, whatever, if you want to say there was an explosion from the fuel inside, the likelihood of small pieces of, you know, sheet metal being flown a mile and a half down the road, but no large pieces surviving it is a little bit questionable. If you went the route of this was possibly taken down by a fighter jet, two missiles, sunk it, you're going to get a lot of small particles of sheet metal there. And how much big remaining pieces are going to remain with two missiles fired at something? And that's very interesting that the term missile, we've heard that come up time and time again. It's a, be it a Freudian slip, be it a whatever. We've heard so many people use the term missile. And we've heard that several times used at the Pentagon as well. The term missile. Not the term plane, because again, we have the footage of the planes hitting the World Trade Center in New York City. And we discussed last week some possible ideas, some plausible, may, maybe some not. Maybe some you kind of open your mind to the possibility of them being true. But we've still seen the strange occurrence of a, a gigantic Boeing airliner flying into the World Trade Center just melts into the building and the building offers no resistance whatsoever. Throw a pebble at a wall, it bounces off. It's just that doesn't make sense at all. Just the whole way that that plane went into the, the, the towers, both of them did that seemed very strange. Just to the naked eye, it doesn't make any sense that those steel beams offered no resistance to those that softer aluminum plane. Uh, okay. But then all that ensued that day, of course. But we're talking about facts and things that, that just don't add up. But the term missile, the idea that something was fired at a plane or fired at the ground to make it appear like a plane crash or to purposely 
make a plane crash. Because now all of a sudden, maybe there was no terrorists aboard that plane and the plane was shot down. Maybe there was no plane altogether, like I've mentioned before. There are sources that say that Flight 93 was still in the air above Illinois when it supposedly crashed over Pennsylvania. How do you explain that? I don't necessarily know that you can. I mean, even if we take a look at the stats of the Pentagon with the hole in Ring C was only 12 feet wide. To quote Meet Sos, a professor of structural engineering at Purdue, he said, in this case, one wing hit the ground, the other sheared off from the force of the impact from the Pentagon's load-bearing columns. He states that what was left of the plane flowed into a liquid state rather than a solid state, and that is why there is barely any evidence of the plane on the front yard of the Pentagon, if you will. They put a professor on record from Purdue saying this, and they're saying that, all right, ran into a building. Yes, a concrete building, ran into a building, and the reason why you have lack of evidence is that it turned into a liquid state while entering the building from the heat, from the, the collision. But at the World Trade Center, it didn't go into a liquid state, but it mm-hmm. just, it made it so people couldn't get on the, the floors below, but in a completely, you know, almost the same example, except for one building's higher than the other, one turned to a liquid state and the other one stayed a solid state and didn't allow people to, to exit properly. That, that doesn't add up to me. Your thoughts? Does that make logical sense? And again, the idea of a missile hitting the Pentagon, creating a hole which was 12 feet, is that as big as a plane? A plane's much, more, much wider than 12 feet. Okay, say even that was the fuselage that somehow sheared through the Pentagon wall, where are the wings? Wouldn't the wings be standing out right on either side of the 12-foot hole? Either that, or wouldn't the wings be on the streets of New York City? In the case of New York, the World Trade Center, where's the plane debris from that? But obviously, the World Trade Center's collapsed and destroyed all the evidence along with it, turning the concrete into a fine dust and having molten metal in the sub-basements of the Twin Towers, which makes zero sense whatsoever because jet fuel does not burn hot enough to create molten metal, nor does it burn hot enough to melt steel. But in this case of the Pentagon lawn, wouldn't the Pentagon lawn be full of plane parts? Wouldn't it be all torn up and and just horrible looking or Google that just, just everybody <laughs> kids at home right now, Google that. What does it look like on the Pentagon wall? What does it look like? Hit it. I mean, my logical sense. Would you say a plane flew into that? Do you see luggage and plane parts and feces, tail wings and glass and engines? Or do you see again, like we saw in Shanksville, just a basic smoldering ditch that totally in, in my opinion, looks like uh, something was fired at it. Looks like a missile was fired at it. One of the first, quote-unquote, civilians that were, were at the site of the Pentagon was a blast expert by the name of Alvin Kilsmer, who happens to be the CEO of KCE Structural Engineering. 
And he was the first engineer to arrive in the Pentagon after the crash and help coordinate the emergency effort. He stated that he picked up parts of the plane with airplane markings on them. He said he held in his hands the tail section of the plane and he found the black box. When continuing to be questioned, he then stated that he held parts of uniforms from the crew members in his hands, including their body parts. Mm. So if there's body parts, if there's pieces of the crew's uniform, there's going to be pieces of the members on board of that flight. There's going to be their luggage. There is going to be a bunch of stuff on the front lawn of that Pentagon. But instead, we have just this guy's word. One guy's word. And that's very interesting, very disheartening, obviously. But think about the idea that, yes, we're, we're missing all that evidence. You're missing. It's like going to the, a scene of a crime. You say it was a, it was a car crash. Then you show up there and there's just a smoldering mess of uh, oil and, and debris and whatever that, that really doesn't resemble anything in the middle of the road. Where's the cars? Where are the, I thought this was a car crash. Where are the cars? This doesn't make logical sense. Not only that, but you, know, you would say that in, in this case, it's a high-level crime scene that just some you know, structural engineer was able to, to walk on the front lawn and, and be picking up stuff, right? This just happened. And the Pentagon is not like it's some barn in the middle of a farm where they have to wait for people to get to it. They have security clearances. This is the Pentagon, you know? Yeah. Why, why wasn't that immediately roped up? Why weren't people getting restrained from going onto the property so they could have evidence? They know that they need to recover that black box. Why was the black box found by an engineer rather than one of the workers of the Pentagon? And again... This is the Pentagon, for Christ's sake, on a day of national emergency, of national terror attacks, national confusion. How in the hell, you, you mean to tell me that the Pentagon doesn't have any means of shooting down enemy aircraft? The epicenter, the nations of the world's most powerful military, and that building sits there defenseless? There's nothing, there's no battery, there's no missile, there's nothing that could have taken that down. You're, you're invading our airspace. Stop. You're invading our airspace. Stop. Well, fire. Wouldn't they fire miles and miles away? This plane's in response. If it's going to hit us, they just let it hit the building. Seriously. And you said too, about you've got the, the Boeing 757 virtually basically a hundred tons, 125 foot wingspan, a tail that stands about 44 feet above the ground. Is that going to fit inside of a 12-foot hole? Where the hell is the rest of it? 125-foot wingspan, 12-foot hole? You may need to tell me that that plane completely turned into a liquid form, but according to you know, this blast expert, he's finding clothing, he's finding parts, he's finding you know, the black box and everything else. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see the findings in his bank account as we sit 20 years later. Yeah, 
yeah, very interesting how many stories were changed that day very quickly. There have been people that have been on record saying missile being fired. They've used the word missile. Oh, that's edited out. Oh, I never said missile. Google that. Google that. People saying, officials saying the word missile, missile hitting the Pentagon. Uh, Freudian slip, call it, you call it what you will. But that, and then backtracking. I never said that. Uh, that's not what I meant. Oh, we call planes missiles. Oh, we do? And what about the videotapes that day? That how many have been confiscated from the men in black suits? Only a couple have been released by the Pentagon. How many surveillance uh, cameras that were around? Buildings, businesses, you name it. Nothing saw anything? The only one that's been released that I can think of, again, go on YouTube and look it up. It doesn't show a Boeing 757 hitting the building. It shows a couple still frames. It shows a flash. It shows an explosion. You never see a plane. You never see a streak of white. You never see a, this plane skidding across the Pentagon lawn. You never see anything. You just see something exploding at the Pentagon. Not to mention with the technology that we have now or, or even back then, even if there was, I mean, you look up in the sky and you see a plane flying, right? If it was right next to you, how many people have watched planes lift off from, from the window of the airport? You would be able to see it. You know, now mm -hmm. the only thing being released for you to supposedly see the flight is videos or still images being released by the same people who are trying to cover it up, if they're trying to cover it up. Right. And think of the Pentagon lawn. Think of a plane hitting that. You've got a gigantic 100-ton airliner. Aerodynamically, does that make sense that this thing is going to be flown down into the ground level of the Pentagon? Now, perhaps a chopper, perhaps some other kind of airplane could do that. Now, it could fly that close to the ground. But bear in mind, I mean, think of the air pocket that's going to be between the earth and the plane. How the hell was that even possible? I'm sorry to tell you, but that plane is not meant to fly that close to the ground at that speed. Nothing short of an expert to be able to, to do that. And you'd see the, the lawn, and even if they were able to do it, you would still see the lawn of the Pentagon massively torn up because of all the pressure that was underneath the plane. But yet the lawn sits there with no plane parts, and the lawn looks like a, a, a golf course. Again, looks like a missile just shot down and hit it. Logically, look at the photos. Isn't that what it looks like what happened? If you, if you took a, a two-year-old aside and said, look at this, what makes more sense to you? What does this look like happened here? Anybody would logically say that, but you've got the official narrative. You've got societal pressure. You've got the powers that be telling you what to believe. This form of hypnosis that we constantly, you constantly hear the official narrative time and time again. You hear it in the workplace, on TV, on the radio, on your phone, blah, blah, blah. And sooner or later, you stop critically thinking and you believe it. You know, and I would say the only thing right about the official narrative is the, the show of remorse that the victims get. That should absolutely be there. You know, that part of the narrative is correct. But I would say there's holes, giant gaping holes in the rest of the official narrative. <laughs> Yeah, to feel empathy, to feel sadness, to feel a sense of pride for 
the first responders. Let me tell you something right now. The, the first responders and our men and women in military, past, present, and future, they're not in on this. They're doing what they're told. The firemen running up the stairs into a burning World Trade Center uh, building, he's doing what he's told to do because he's a rare breed of people that author Dave Grossman calls a sheepdog that he's there to protect. He's there to run toward the sounds of the guns, to run into the fire, to value somebody else's life above his own. God bless those people. That's, that's the best that this nation and this world has to offer, that we have citizens that are willing to do that. There's nothing spectacular or abnormal about a mother or a father defending their child and doing anything they can to protect that kid. That's nature. That's normal. But you have the sheepdogs of society, the first responders, military, firemen, police, EMS, God bless you all. You're all amazing and the best we have to offer because these are people that are laying their life down and putting themselves in harm's way for total strangers, not their kids, not their family members, but total strangers. And those are the best of the best. Now I have a question. I can see a part to where Flight 93 was hit with a missile. You know, I can see part truth to that. If we're putting this in perspective, the official narrative of Flight 93 in Shanksville is that since the flight was delayed, the people on board knew that planes were getting hijacked and that, you know, they decided they put up a fight. If people on the flight from their phones knew about it, obviously the higher-ups at B knew about it. So would you not, if you've seen what happened at the Twin Towers and at the Pentagon, would you not try to shoot that plane out of the air as fast as possible as soon as it went off its flight path? Wouldn't they get a warning? You know, our military is trained to be up and rush out in an instant. It seems like to me if everything from there was said to be 100% true, that was shot out of the sky. So they make this narrative of around, you know, the quote unquote American hero by saying, we're going to stand up, we're going to do something. And then it went down in a field rather than the government saying it went off course. We shot it down. Obviously the people that died on the plane are going to be suing the United States government for a shit ton of money. But if I was in that same position if I had to say I need to take that plane out of the sky and it's going to cost me 40 lives because I don't know where that plane's going. And if it happens to be going to another place like, you know, like a World Trade Center or any other major hub and you have the possibility of thousands of people dying, you're going to take that risk. You're going to shoot it down. But if you have the option to, you're going to cover it up so you don't have to explain to the families why you had to do that. Sure. I mean, you have an unresponsive plane on the day of days obviously that our military had just done exercises of planes hitting buildings like this predictive programming. But what are the coincidences there? The delay in scrambling fighter jets that day, the miscommunication on the radio for so many reasons on that day, you think that our air force and our military was in its infancy and not have been around for almost a hundred years at that point. But how do you explain so many strange lapses in protocols to allow these things to happen? 
But sure, if you had a plane that was unresponsive, that was even in the remote vicinity of the East Coast government, they're unresponsive. Could they have been shot down? Would the government admit they shot them down? Were they shot down on purpose just to give a smoking gun, just to further along the narrative? I think any one of those is extremely possible. I think we could even back off and maybe we could debate the reason why the plane was shot down and give proof, evidence, whatever. But I think the most logical conclusion that anybody could make was that plane was shot down. Why it was shot down, how, whatever else, that's open for debate. But I think logical thinking shows us that plane was shot down. Were there and that goes completely against. That's, that's debatable. How many billion people are there on the earth? How many hundreds of millions of citizens are there in this country? Could you make up 30 names, 60 names? How many people were on board? Could you make that up? Can you have a voice actor make that phone call? <sighs> sure. Sure you could. And now I'll go down the rabbit hole one step deeper and darker. If there were people on that plane, so we just shot down a plane with American citizens on it. And if there were no people on that plane and the people did board that plane or were set to board that plane, where are those people now? What happened to them? Were they paid off? Were they killed? Were they sent to Bermuda <laughs> with a check? <laughs> Keep your mouth shut forever and ever. Amen. Or else. Wouldn't be the first time the government's paid somebody off. Won't be the last. Could have been a drone, like we talked about, that all logic says probably hit the World Trade Center. An unmanned drone. Possible. Maybe that it was an unmanned drone full of fuel. Possible. Do we have proof for any of those? I mean, through the process of, of logical reasoning and thoughtful, mindful, critical thinking and thoughtful, mindful discussion, can we come to these conclusions? Uh, let's just leave it at that and say they're at probability. And I think people just need to keep that in their mind, that these are probabilities because the official narrative sucks. The official narrative sucks and the lack of proof sucks. If there was, it was supposedly by this engineer, body parts and pieces of clothing and stuff laying on the ground and that hit a building, where is that in Shanksville? And the, the lack of proof, you know, and somebody could say, oh, well, could you prove that the uh, Flight 93 was shot down or you could prove that a missile hit the Pentagon? Well, of course I can't prove it. But then again, can you prove that it was a plane that hit the Pentagon? Can you prove that there was an airplane that landed in that field in Shanksville? There was just a smoldering pit of debris. And so does the official narrative really can't give any proof to the story that they're telling. And the only proof that does exist, I will say this, the only proof that does exist, a whole other story to the contrary. You have steel beams from the World Trade Center that are cut just like they would have been done with nanothermite if they were building, bringing the building down purposely on its own footprint. 
How the hell did those towers collapse from fire on the upper levels of the floors? They didn't fall over like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. They both, all three of them in World Trade Center 7 as well, conveniently collapsed on their own footprint to minimize any other damage in the lower Manhattan area. Come on. We can even upload this picture uh, to our, our Twitter page, our Instagram page. I have a great picture here. The, the definition of a hero, a New York firefighter, two of them standing here in front of a, a, a steel beam, a steel support beam from the World Trade Center cut at a 45 degree angle. There's proof, folks. There's proof. How the hell was that beam cut? We can upload that and let you make your own conclusions. Because if it would have just fallen over like that, it'd have been this jagged cut. It would have been bent and warped, but conveniently cut at a 45 degree angle as if nanothermite was placed there. A controlled demolition. There was molten metal coming out of the World Trade Center towers. How many people documented that? How many people went on record saying they heard other explosions thinking that other planes had hit the building? What the molten metal is, folks, there's your smoking gun. You want proof, there's your proof. What the molten metal is, is those thermite charges going off, cutting the support beams, cutting the frame of the building, and those explosions are blowing the beams apart. I mean, that's proof. There are how many people that went on record saying that? You can Google that. There are pictures showing molten metal pouring out of the World Trade Center buildings. There are pictures of plumes of smoke coming out of windows to, again, indicate explosions that are blowing apart these support beams and taking this thing down. And further proof, it collapses in on its own footprint. What the hell building does? Have you ever seen a, a demolition go wrong? Half the building collapses. Half the building is still standing or it falls over. It hits a, an adjacent building. These were perfectly, precisely taken down. Have you ever been to the site in New York City? No, I haven't. I, I'd like to go at some point. I'm sure it's uh, striking. Yeah, they have a lot of it fenced off. And in the middle of it, there is one last standing support beam. And you know what this last support beam is standing in the shape of? across mm. mm -hmm. now you tell me there's not something you know symbolic about that with america and god and the only thing that managed to to stand throughout this whole experience was just the cross how american is that mm -hmm. that advances the narrative and what happened since that day you've got the war on terror Patriot Acts. How long after that did we live in a state of fear? We're still living in a state of fear. Who the hell gets on an airplane today and says, <laughs> I hope this ain't the next one. Jesus Christ, here we go. Of course you say that. If you don't say that, you haven't been paying attention. And how long after that did we have the terror threat level? The terror threat level. Today it's orange. Today it's yellow. Today it's polka dot. Nothing ever happened. Sounds similar to what's going on today. Oh, we're a high-risk county. We're a low-risk county. Stay in fear, America. Stay in fear. Tune out. Listen to the official narrative. Live in fear. Don't go within six feet of people. The people, because of the virus, guess what? You can't congregate, and you can't talk about things like this. But, hey, you can do it online, and that's what we're doing. And thank you for uh, having this show, and thank you for listening at home. And no, the coronavirus isn't contagious through a speaker. <laughs> I don't know. Show me some proof. 
you should stay six feet away from your, your uh, speaker uh, while you hear this, just to be safe. I can feel it coming on already. Again, what we're trying not to say is we're not saying that what we're saying is 100% fact, but we're also trying to say that the official narrative being fed to you is not a 100% fact. And it's important for you to look at the evidence that is shown and to make your own logical decision. We're not suggesting that you become obsessed. We're not obsessing that you become a fanatical of, of anti-government. We're not saying that. What we're saying is it's not going to hurt you to have an open mind and to look at things from an objective standpoint. That's the American thing to do. And that's the most respectful thing to do. If we're talking about respecting victims, family members, service members, and the rest of society who have all been caught up in this craziness, that's the respectful thing to do. The respectful thing isn't to do, oh, that's the way it was. We shouldn't talk about this. And okay, who's winning the football game? Give me a beer. That's not the respectful. That's tuning out. We need to tune in. We need to ask critical questions and educate all of those around us. So, and why? Why do we do that? Because when we see another event that mirrors something like this, which we have and which we will and which we're seeing now, i.e. the coronavirus, when we see another strange event, that there are so many scientific pieces of misinformation, things that don't add up, things with an agenda behind them, things that are overly politicized, just like you think the coronavirus was politicized, you remember how politicized 9-11 was? If you're too young to remember, let me tell you, very politicized, extremely hot button issue. How many policies, rules, laws, regulations, wars were fought over this one day. And we go and evade Iraq, who had nothing with this attack whatsoever. Where's the proof? Talking about proof and evidence, where's the evidence and the proof that, that, that Iraq had something to do with the World Trade Center? Weapons of mass destruction. Well, <laughs> what nation? We have weapons of mass destruction. So does Russia. So does China. Who the hell doesn't? And the family that's to blame also happens to be in business, you know, with the president of the United States. <laughs> Those aren't theories. The bin Ladens and the Bushes go way, way back. Kids at home, do your research. Do your research. Those aren't crazy conspiracy theories. Those are facts. Those are facts. No, you don't hear that on CNN, but those are facts. And again, when we see issues like we're seeing today, the coronavirus, if we use our critical thinking skills that we learned from 9-11 and other issues before that and since, we start to look at these things in a whole different light. Am I believing the official narrative? Is the science making sense here? Is this really as bad as they say it is? Has this been overly politicized? The main question, what has come about because of it? That's what we need to question. You have the Patriot Act, you know, which you argue is one of the most unpatriotic things in existence. Mm -hmm. You know, they give it the name, the Patriot Act, but I don't really necessarily know how patriotic it is. It's just called that as a, a form of brainwashing it. So you could, if you stand for the, if you stand against the, the Patriot Act, then you are indeed non-patriotic. The definition of a patriot, folks. Ready? Kids at home? Patriot. 
a person who loves, supports, and defends his or her country and its interests with devotion. A person who regards himself or herself as a defender, especially of individual rights, against presumed interference by the federal government. And to have that on a piece of legislature is a little bit ridiculous. Basically, the, the borderline of the Patriot was it was used to dramatically tighten U.S. national security, particularly as it related to foreign terrorism. In general, the act had three main provisions, expanding the abilities of law enforcement to surveil you, including taping domestic and international phones, right? The, that's right, mm-hmm. people. I'm saying they can listen in on your conversations, and it absolutely is no problem doing it. It eased interagency communication to allow federal agencies to be more effective in the use of their resources in their counterterrorism efforts. And uh, lastly, increase penalties and expand the activities which would qualify someone to be charged with terrorism, i.e. you're going to be held as long as you want at an airport because you are the wrong type of person. But that's not racism. That's not discrimination. That's not prejudice. That's the Patriot Act. (laughs) But we can talk about that. Does that bleed over into being overly politically correct? I think think, uh, our next show, we could talk about political correctness and its place and how it's gotten way out of hand in this country. I think that could be a good topic for next week. What do you think? I think you'll be able to talk about that. And I think maybe we should talk about political correctness comes in waves, right? You have a, a new president being elected and then all of a sudden it's, you know, Trump, we don't give a fuck about your feelings. Millennials, this millennials, that. And then towards the end of it, something happens. And, you know, the opposing, I won't say Democrats, but I will say the opposing party will come up with another way to discredit Anything. And the reason why I use opposing party is because it works with both sides. And I won't say that um, the opposing party will find a way to drum up as much civil unrest as possible. And, you know, by the time the next election starts. Mm -hmm. So political. It's all a game. It's political. As long as we know that we go into it, uh, we look at it for what it is. And we need to be sure that we do that. And have discussions like this. Yeah, so please, I invite you all to join us for our next discussion. You can get unbiased, informative information from our podcast, not only on politics, but a, a vast array of other things we're going to be talking about. So please join our conversation. Just search Off the Hinges podcast up on Facebook, and you'll see us the yellow and black logo. Please join up with us there. Join our Twitter page, you know, give that thing a follow. It's going to take you 10 seconds. You'll be able to see everything we're putting out as we're putting it out. You're going to get clips and you're going to get highlights from shows. So check us out at Off the Hinges PC. And as Brandon would say, that does not stand for politically correct because we don't give a shit. Pretty much no. Also check us out on Instagram. Please follow us there. And again, what we're asking is for everybody to just please 
share this with one or two people that you think are really going to enjoy it. We're not trying to shove our beliefs down everybody's throat. We are trying to offer an outlet of free thinking. So please share this with one or two people. You don't have to shove it down anyone's throat. Give it to someone you know is going to enjoy it and wants to join our community. And these debates matter because we want to hear your opinions. They, they, they matter because they matter to all of us. We're not in some ivory tower. We're citizens just like you. So please, please let us know your comments. Were we out of line today? Have we been out of line uh, with this episode, with this topic? Do you have any firsthand experiences? Because you're not going to hear any real official firsthand experiences on CNN. I'm sorry, you're not. But if you, if you were there that day, if you know someone who was there that day, if you have any proof, you have any stories, please, please chime in. How do these events affect you? How have they shaped your life? What's your perspective as a listener? It doesn't matter where you are. I know we have some listeners in this country. We have some listeners across the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please let us know your opinions and we'll talk about them. We'll debate them and we'll read what you have to say on our show. We'd love to. And thanks again so much for listening. We do this show for you. We enjoy to do this show, but we, we do this to get other people's opinions, to get minds moving, to get minds opened and to hopefully create a better world for ourselves and future generations. That's the idea. We'll be back again soon. Let us know what you think. Give us some more topics to talk about. Give us your experiences. What should we talk about? What have we missed? Are we right or are we wrong? Let us know. We'll see you next time. And guys, don't forget, we release podcasts every Wednesday. So this is a great podcast to tune into Thursday morning on your way to work, Friday morning on your way to work, Saturday, you're at home cleaning the house, Sunday, you're out and about. Tune us in on the ride there. Tune us in at home. Let your friends hear. Get their opinions. Are we on the mark? Are we off the mark? What do you think? This is your show. Thanks and have a good week. Stay safe.